Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Angela, I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. I'm so excited for our guest today. We are going to be chatting about one of my very, very, very favorite things because we don't talk about it enough. Like we, we are talking about it more and more. And we were just chatting about just cultural upbringing and how for some reason, for so long, women are afraid or scared to talk about money and make money. And the way I look at it is the more money you make and the more money you have, the more people you can actually help and impact. So reframing a little bit differently is what we're going to talk about today. So Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on. Yay. Before we hop in and start talking about all the goods, share with us a little bit about your cultural upbringing and (laughs) where, how have you gotten to where you are today? Yeah. So my upbringing, honestly, I was raised by a single father that was an entrepreneur. Um, His dad and his grandfather before him were entrepreneurs. And I really was kind of exposed early on to, you know, my dad being self-employed and working for himself. Um, He, I think starting out when I was a little girl only had a couple retail stores and then expanded that into about 16 stores throughout my life. And so he not only had, you know, he wasn't only in self-employed, but he had employees. And so a lot of this, I was really like opened up to this idea, especially early on about creating a life for yourself and also the responsibility that comes with business and the responsibility of taking care of other people. And I remember, especially being like a little girl, how much I just looked up to him and how much he had really worked hard to give us this really special life, especially just me and just being me and him. And so that was something when, you know, I got my first taste of entrepreneurship very early and I had a lot of respect for it. And I had a lot of, you know, admiration, not just for the glorification of it, of, you know, making your own money and being able to do whatever you want and having the kind of freedom and responsibility that comes with it. But, you know, also kind of this, this really early on ability to see that, you know, other people's lives were also impacted by what he had built. And for me, that was something that was really admirable and something that I really, really loved, you know, seeing come from my dad. That's so awesome. I love that. It's like, (laughs) I mean, I I learned my dad wasn't an entrepreneur, but um, his family was. And so kind of like I got to be around that and saw I like I never saw myself as an entrepreneur though and then when I look back I'm like oh my gosh but so much of like the values and the morals and just like the the way that we act and how we run things you know how we treat people and build community and build 
team. A lot of that came from my dad too. So that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So when it comes to like marketing and branding and, and money and like how to make money from, from doing those things. And you talk a lot about like diversifying and I know that, you know, as an entrepreneur, we get um, sidetracked sometimes. I know I do. It's like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. And it's like, <laughs> you know, income coming from here and income coming from here. And you have this revenue stream here and here and here. And mm-hmm. sometimes I look up and I'm like, oh my God, we've got stuff coming from so many different ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, my head is spinning. And so, which is sometimes a good problem to have, but it's like, if you take a step back and slow down and create a strategy but when you talk about like diversifying, how have you done that? Like with your company and, and what you're doing with your clients? Yeah. Um, so like very early on, I was really obsessed with business. In fact, I, I was actually simultaneously growing Echo's marketing when I had just become, or I, I had become a part of this startup. And so I had the startup that I was working through. And then I had Ekis that the agency that I was also building at the same time. And I had kind of gotten this idea when I had, you know, when, as I was growing and scaling the agency and I was hiring team members and I was training them, I started to utilize that startup and treat them almost as like this client. And so I kind of, kind of started blurring the lines a little bit and bringing these kind of like, you know, this, this investment sort of business into my agency work. And so that was kind of when I really started to get interested in like investing in other companies and to be able to take my own money that I was making and, you know, create these different verticals of income and revenue for myself. And the best way that I kind of did this was by really looking at my time and looking at what I was doing and what I was able to do, like in, like in ways of being able to invest myself. So with the startup, obviously it was sweat equity. So it was, it was like me working through it. But one of the things that I started realizing was like, you know, I could be taking this money that I'm making and investing it into different places without, you know, having to expand my time further. And with the launch, it gets super this, you know, hemp infused instant coffee. That was exactly kind of what I did is I was able to take this new business and this new product and utilize the business that I had already created and basically have the marketing team build up, get super and launch, get super. So when I talk about diversifying, especially like when we talk about doing multiple businesses or, you know, becoming a serial entrepreneur, I think it's critical to look at our time management and then also kind of backward engineer the ways that we can contribute or diversify what businesses we have our hands in. Um, I think the biggest thing there though, is kind of what you mentioned earlier is it's not necessarily saying yes to every opportunity. It's saying yes to the opportunities that are going to benefit us, but that also too, we have that ability to take on. Um, and from there, that's kind of what I've been doing. And I, I, you know, I have this dream too, where as we continue to scale and grow, you know, Acus marketing, I would love to take on other startups. I would love to personally invest in them. And even like, you know, seeing what opportunities we can have to work with ground floor companies and help them through by bringing them the right strategic partners or bringing them the right, um, 
networks and funds and things of that nature. So for me, that was, that was what I kind of started to do. And it was really, really early on. And even now that, you know, that startup it's my time has kind of passed with them, but that's where I kind of got this whole idea of serial entrepreneurship. And it was one of the things too, where I felt like with the agency, I was like, there's no way I can do a side hustle. Like this is my main hustle. And so I had to get creative and I had to look at where I was at in ways that I could utilize bringing in more revenue or creating more income for myself. And that was the way that I did it. So how do you grow your team and keep them focused? Because I know sometimes my own team, I'm like, oh my gosh, let's do this and this and this. And they're like, hold your horses. Like, <laughs> so how do you find the right team members to get them on board with, with these new startups? Because it's a totally different ball game when, when you work with a startup versus, versus a product or a company that, you know, has been out for a little bit. It's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of clarify too. So like Ekis doesn't necessarily like our focus isn't startups. Like our focus is very much lifestyle and CPG. And we, I mean, really, I started coming up with this idea more so that, you know, these startups would come in and they'd be treated as like a client. So the girls wouldn't really have any real indica- indication if it was something I was personally invested in or not. It was just treated gotcha. as a client to them. Yeah. Unless there were other opportunities that were kind of checked at the door for them. And we have had companies kind of offer different things like that, like stock options or whatnot to our team to really give them kind of a piece of the action and get them excited. Um, but more so when we go back to looking at team members, especially for the agency, I think the biggest thing is that I look for people that are excited about what we're doing um, more so than really anything, because I think being in an agency requires a little bit of grit. It requires a little bit of tenacity, managing multiple different clients, managing a bunch of different types of personalities, and also being able to show up and be creative, like in your best light. So I look for, you know, the people and we have an all female team. So I look for the women that come to us that are hungry and that are excited to, you know, be a part of this and to try, you know, try this out. What, what I see when I go to hire a team member furthermore is also that I look for their, their vision of long-term. And I think that's one of the, always the, one of the main questions I always ask during my hiring process is, you know, what, what do you see in five years? Where are you going to be at? And most of the time, you know, they respond back with something of the nature that's already inside of the agency or, you know, them kind of building up a longer term career or home within the agency. Um, so yeah, that's our, that's my long winded answer to that. (laughs) That, That's awesome. So how do you, I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to assume, but I'm kind of assuming that the, the things that you, that you want to do, um, maybe have like a personal backstory to it. So it's like, was there something that, um, that, or there, was there a story like with you or your family or friend that it, it like drove you to really look into like the whole CBD and how is this mm-hmm. helping, you know, from a health benefit and how, you know, caffeine can be kind of addicting, you know, but it's like, <laughs> how do you, how did you choose this route? Was, was there some type of a story that, that was, um, 
like life-changing for you and you're like, this is what I want to do? Yeah, absolutely. So in the, there is a huge story behind Get Super and it's a very mission-led brand. And it's been that way because it has to do so much with my own personal story. Um, but I was really, I mean, the story kind of goes that I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and depression. Um, after being diagnosed, I had kind of spoken to my family about it and there had been a lot that came to light that made me realize that there's the, you know, I'm going to say trigger warning here, but the addiction and suicide that had been a part of our family was also due to mental health and to the lack of education and, um, medication or medical treatment, or just talking to someone, you know, my family really didn't have access to a lot of those things. And there wasn't as much awareness or education around what, you know, the importance of mental health, especially with these heavy diagnoses. So with that, I really started to reroute my life. And, you know, this this all happened in 2020. So I had been diagnosed. I had lost 75% of my agency business because we were primarily hospitality. And I had come across, you know, basically experimenting with cannabis. I didn't want to go on antidepressants and there's, I have nothing against them. I think they're incredible and they help people in such a large capacity. Um, for me, there was a history of addiction in our mm -hmm. family. So I chose not to basically not go on them. And mm -hmm. with that, I, yeah, I started exploring cannabis and my biggest thing was onset anxiety triggered from caffeine, um, and then being able to sleep at night. <clears throat> and so I started the one thing that I really noticed was working and the, was also my biggest trigger at the same time was coffee. And so I started adding CBD oil to my coffee every morning and basically the idea was birthed. And from there, we actually found a way to formulate it. That's a more convenient and beneficial way by using water soluble hemp extract powder, which is a broad spectrum CBD. And what it does is basically the CBD slows the release of caffeine. So you get a really calm focused energy. You don't feel sleepy and you don't feel high there. It's essentially, it's essentially non-psychoactive because there's about a 0.0% THC level within it, but you really kind of feel this beautiful focused euphoric feeling without feeling sleepy or too calm or kind of like you have a brain fog. So that was also something too, where, you know, again, I've just been diagnosed. Caffeine was a trigger. Everyone was telling me to cut the caffeine. I really didn't want to cut my morning cup of coffee. So then get super was born. And there it was. I knew that there, I'm like, normally these types of things come out of like these really personal story. Like, thank you so much for sharing because I feel like I'm, I'm not like a huge call. I mean, I love, who doesn't love caffeine? You know, it's like when we have to GSD yeah. and we have to get shit done. Right. And mm -hmm. it's like, I have this natural flow of energy and, um, growing up, my parents were very addicted to their coffee. It's like, mm -hmm. I mean, they would just drink cups throughout the day. And growing up, I just remember, you know, it was almost like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't anything before mm -hmm. my coffee. And I kind of felt that that was like a little bit negative, you know, and in my head, I'm like, I never want to be addicted to something like this to where it's like, I can't freaking function 
without, <laughs> you know, s- s- having something. And sure. so, um, I don't have an addictive personality and, um, but I, but I see that a lot. And so I try mm-hmm. not to, you know, it's like, I have to have this or I'm dying. You know, people, just <laughs> their moods like really, yeah. and I'm like, shit, you know, if I have to have something like that to function, like that's just mm-hmm. not good. Now ask me about allergy medication because I'm like, (laughs) I will tell you something very different. I'm like, yes, I'm addicted. If I don't have Zyrtec or, you know, sometimes no spray, I'm just like, oh my God, am I not going to be able to breathe kind of thing. But it, it does help people get through the day. And then I've watched my mom, like get these horrible headaches, like horrible Mm. headaches. You know, Mm. if you don't have like that caffeine. And so over the years as CBD and, and the hemp and the things have been introduced into, um, various drinks and stuff. I remember recently I was at our co-working space and they had no bottled water. And so the only thing they had was like this grapefruit juice, you know, with CBD or something. And I just water, but I was like, okay, well, it's the only thing. And I am thirsty and you know, there's not too much sugar in it. And so mm-hmm. I, I was like, this is actually really good. And there was like this yeah. calming effect. Like it didn't make me tired. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, okay, like I would drink this again. And I'm mm-hmm. as strong as it is. And so sometimes I like, <laughs> need to bring it down. You know, that yeah. it, it really does help. There's so many factors of positive things that without the addiction and like without the headaches and without the side effects, you know, from CBD. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, like, how did you go about finding like the right partners or the right people to manufacture and distribute it? And what was that journey like? Because I know like, that's not easy. And so, um, you know, it's with your, your dad being an entrepreneur you know, sometimes it's like who you're surrounded by and you share your ideas with the right people Mm -hmm. and then they're able to get you to the right places. But like, what was that journey like? Yeah. So it was actually kind of funny enough. So get super was actually acquired by me, but we had reformulated it and rebranded it. So this all happened in a very divinely guided way. Um, I was diagnosed shortly after I was actually doing a bunch of sales pitches and I had come across this guy that had formulated a water soluble hemp extract into instant coffee. I had tried the product and was like, this is absolutely genius. This is a great idea. So I had essentially taken it and reformulated all of it. So that original formulation and product that we had acquired, was kind of built off a lot of his own contacts. But for example, right now we're actually looking at different manufacturers and we're looking at different production because obviously we want to make this the best product that anyone's tried. And I think if anything, like the biggest piece of advice I can give is after meeting with so many different cannabis and CBD companies is to find people that you really enjoy working with, but also to find people that you really trust. Um, and that was one of the things that I had started noticing the levels of relationships with different vendors or manufacturers. There were some that I felt so strongly connected to and had so much trust for. And there were a couple other ones that I just really didn't align or click with. And it almost kind of felt like a full body, like, no. 
And so for us, that was something too, where obviously we're sampling, we're taste testing, we're doing all these different things during our formulation process. But when it came down to finding the right people, it really was like, you know, those that were excited about Get Super, those that wanted to offer up their feedback and how we can make the product better. It wasn't just a sale. It was more or less of, Hey, I really understand and love your mission. And I feel, you know, passionate about offering you, you know, this feedback on how I can make it better. And from there, that's when, you know, I really started to also to fall in love with the formulation process because there were people out there that wanted to help, you know, and wanted to bring us all these ideas on how to make the product better itself. And that's like, to me, like, that's the most important part, like in the beginning of when you're doing something new is just getting the feedback and, and asking, and then actually taking the feedback and, you know, doing something with it. It's, it's, it's just so important. So I'm just like, I love, I love all this. So going back to like productivity and focus and time management, because I'm like a geek about it. (laughs) How do you manage like all the different things? And, you know, before we started recording, you know, you're, I'm just, I'm so interested to know, like, how does it help with focus and how do you manage, you know, all these different things with your time? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing to help me manage everything is obviously by putting people in, putting people in, in my weakness spots, honestly. I mean, I, yeah, I, I honestly feel like that's one thing that as an entrepreneur was such a misconception, especially when I first started was that I had to be perfect and I had to be the one that was good at everything. And honestly, that's such a lie and such a lie that we tell ourselves as entrepreneurs. And there are so many people on my team that are so vastly different from me. And there's so many people that are clients or that, you know, help me with my podcast or my support or our strategic partners or vendors or whatever you want to call them that really have strengths that are my biggest weakness. And so for me, that was one of the biggest things where, especially looking at the agency and then venturing off and to get super was how, how am I going to manage my time and who, who do I need to help me? Um, and honestly, after launching Get super, I hired an operation manager and an executive assistant. Um, and then I also hired a personal assistant and it wasn't because I felt like I needed them. It was more or less because I started realizing I'm not leading my team to success because I'm being pulled in a different direction. And my now schedule is suffering because I don't have someone to help me monitor it. And I'm not able to do this in a perfect way myself. So I'm going to outsource and ask for help here. And those were two major, major hires that allowed for my agency to scale. And then also allowed for me to really watch my own bandwidth and be able to show up for my clients and my team and get super in my best light. And again, like, you know, we could, we could sit through this and say, you know, you can do everything yourself. You can be gritty, especially in startups and you can do X, Y, and Z. But I think at, you know, the level that I wanted to be at, I really wanted to make sure that every bit of time that I had with someone sitting in front of me was present And I I was able to give my full hundred percent to what I was doing. And I am doing, you know, 
two things at once here. And I have a lot of help and a lot of support, but I think the biggest thing was really monitoring my own time and my ability to, again, show up in the best light. It's so you're like speaking my language. <laughs> it's like <laughs> my whole thing is like, don't say yes to something. If you're not going to mm-hmm. show up and be present, like, just don't yeah. do it. Like, do mm-hmm. you have like personal, um, like pre-qualifications and professional pre pre-qualifications of like what you say yes to, like, are those very, you know, plastered on the wall for your team or do they come to you weekly and say, okay, here's all the ideas. Do we want to go down mm-hmm. this hole or this? Hole? Like what, what does that look like for you and your team? Yeah. For the agency, like, yes, there are some things that let me, I should back up me, me and the girls have like an open door policy. And that is one of the things that I never want them to feel like they cannot come talk to me. Um, and I'm sure there are times where they probably feel that, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's perfect 100% of the time ever, but I feel that there should always be enough time for a team member to come and talk to me or come and ask me a question or ask advice or ask for support or whatever they need to. Now, that being said, client work and daily operations, sure, should always go through our operational manager. Um, but outside of that, no, there's nothing that I think I'm very intuitively guided And I feel like I lean into what feels most, um, what feels like a priority and what doesn't. So, which is probably what's gotten me in trouble in the past (laughs) by not having those strict boundaries. But I feel like that is something too, where again, you know, Echoes Marketing still has my last name on it. There are still going to be moments where I'm jumping in on a client call just to listen in, or if a team member needs support or if the operation manager needs support, it's still my company. Um, I would say if anything, my time is still 100% a priority to both. And it's more or less just being able to understand that, you know, there's priorities and things that, you know, are consuming my time. If it's a team member, 1000%, they're my highest priority. If it's something, you know, with get super, that's an emergency. Sure. Also hundred percent. So I think there, what we see is we try to level out these checks and balances of, you know, ensuring that again, I do have those, I have that white space for if anything were to go wrong or someone does need me, but also too, the balances are that, yeah, there's, you know, make sure that, you know, you're running everything through who needs to know it or who's, who's better equipped to answer it. That's the other thing too. I feel like at this point, my, my clients, I'm like, I don't even involve me in it. You guys honestly have a better finger on the pulse than I do at this point. We sound so similar, like so <laughs> similar. I mean, people are like, how do you go and travel and speak all over the world? And how, like, how are you comfortable, like leaving your company? And I'm like, well, that shit didn't happen overnight and yeah. it's well over two decades. And I have sat through enough workshops and worked with enough coaches and consultants to know that if you can't step out of your business for 30 days mm-hmm. and, and it run, you got a job. You don't have a business. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a fair point. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's true though. And it's like, you know, in the beginning is a, is a new, when I was a newer entrepreneur, it feels good to be needed. But then like once you're in and you're going and it's like, if something happened, you know, to you and it's like the spoke of the wheel and it's turning. And if something happens to that spoke, everything crumbles. Like that's not good. Like Mm -hmm. that, that's actually a bad thing. And so 
for us, it's like in uh, events and hospitality and these luxury weddings. And it's so personal. It's personal money being spent. Mm -hmm. And so many planners that, that I do consultant consulting for their company. And they're like, how do you not show up at all your events? And how are you? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm emotionally not attached to these. This is a business. Mm -hmm. And if you plan ahead Mm -hmm. and you put the right people in place, you should be able to remove yourself. And the easy part is executing it. That's the easy part. You know, it it shouldn't be hard, but, but we're so emotionally attached to these things. And especially entrepreneurs with like new products, it's like your baby Mm -hmm. and like you're emotionally attached to it. If somebody tells you your baby's ugly, you know, it's all in the way that you respond, (laughs) but it's for the better, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's to help. And so I'm sure that you've taken chances, you know, over the years. And is there something that you took a chance on and you went with your gut reaction and then you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but you learned something from it. Like, is there one thing that just sticks out in your head? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's multiple, multiple things that stick out in my head. Um, I think I've honestly, just speaking candidly here, being, you know, being in a service-based operation and moving into a product-based business has been really interesting. Right. Totally. Um, I think that, you know, especially early on, there were moments where I couldn't handle client feedback. You know, I couldn't handle people criticizing my work and it wasn't, you know, and that took a very long process of me to really kind of shift that mindset of they're not, you know, personally criticizing me, they're criticizing what I'm doing. And it's not for any personal reason. It's more or less for them, you know, to be able to receive the product that they want and see it come to life. So I think, yeah, I think as I look back, there's, there's moments of that where I took a lot of things personally, and I'm sure I probably jumped the gun on responses and being diplomatic in my responses. I'm super, honestly, I'm very transparent in everything that I do. And that also means that my responses are pretty damn transparent as well, especially if something's not driving with me. So I think, a lot of my earlier years was also gaining experience on how to work directly with people and how to really approach businesses and clients in the service-based industry where, you know, I'm able to show up for them in a really strong light, but I'm also able to have a lot of confidence in myself and in my own work and be able to defend it in a way that again, is diplomatic versus more emotional. And so that, I mean, Yes. I would say the CBD company. Sure. I've made every mistake in the book. Um, I sent out a 420 text on an SMS platform and got banned. Like you make so many mistakes. Wait, on- what? How does that even happen? <laughs> like, wait, what, what happened? So uh, there's a lot of compliance in and around CBD and obviously cannabis. There's a lot of marketing guidelines that you have to follow legally And basically the regulations per state and things of that nature make it really tricky for any CBD, let alone cannabis company to market themselves. It's really hard. So one of the things that I did very early on, right after like, not even, we hadn't even launched Get Super, but we were building out our SMS platform and our email marketing platforms. And it was 420. So I naturally sent out a 420 text to, I think our five people on our SMS list 
and we got flagged and I think banned for a little bit. I'm not, I think, I mean, we're back up and running now. I can't remember what exactly happened, but you know, it was one of those things where we couldn't use the words four dash 20 and SMS. And I didn't know that. Right. I didn't, I don't know if anyone else knows that, but it's a thing. So there's a lot of mistakes in business and a lot of things too, that, you know, like we have these gut reactions, we have these great ideas and we're going to make mistakes. That's the human being inside of us. And I think that's also the blessing and the curse of being an entrepreneur. We have, you know, the, the being naive to jump into a business that we know nothing about and to, you know, build wings and fly as we're falling off a cliff. Like those are just things that we learn how to do. And it's part of this human process. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of like, so my brother was launching this handgun class. And so we were, (laughs) we built the online course and Uh at the time we, we don't run Facebook ads anymore, but we used to for some clients before they yeah. made it way too difficult. <laughs> and so, but exactly what you're saying, it's like, I don't go and read that shit. And like, I don't read all the little fine print things. And, sure. and I didn't think we were doing anything wrong and we weren't yeah. promoting um, anything bad at all. But there was this one picture and it was like a target with a bullseye and it had a gun. And, um, you know, to me, it, it was like a picture that was like promoting the class and like get on target. And it was about safety Mm -hmm. and, um, every state and every country is different, but in the state that we live in, they were passing a new law about, um, concealed carrying concealed weapons, which means like you don't have to have a permit and you can like carry a gun and basically like put it up under your shirt and people don't have to know that it's there or like wear it up under your jeans. And where previously Tennessee had a law that if you had to have a concealed carry weapon permit, and uh, I, my, my dad was an undercover cop, and that's our brother. So I grew up with <laughs> all these laws and all these things. But when it came to like marketing the class and um, again, like teaching people about safety, I never thought that we would get flagged. And so the exact yeah. thing happened. Okay. So like they completely banned his account Aww. and it was crazy. So it's like, I had to go through all that and learn all this stuff. And then the same mm-hmm. thing, like when, um, PP, like protective gear or something, like uh-huh. we were doing something for another client. It was literally about mask yeah. and Facebook had put out, I mean, they, y'all, they literally changed the r- rules daily when like all the pandemic stuff was going on Ooh, I bet. Got flagged and we got banned for something mm-hmm. again. And it's just like, we're out there just literally trying to help people and, give Facebook our money to run ads to get to people. And they, they've made it so difficult, but again, instead of just saying like, okay, yeah, we'll just, people are like, well, can't you just throw up an ad? I'm like, it is not that. (laughs) It's not. I wish it was. You probably used to be, but not anymore. (laughs) No. And, and I, and I'm sure it's because of, you know, lawsuits and, and various things, but it's like, you get your hand slapped real quick. I don't mind getting my hands. I'd rather know quickly that I need to like look into something more before I like just, you know, dig it a little bit deeper. But I will say, you know, we appealed everything and we changed the picture, you know, so it all turns out okay. But it all works out, all buffs out. Yeah. Are you guys able to ship um, like all over the States? Are you able to ship out of country or are there certain rules around that? Yes, there is a lot of compliance basically across state lines, but being that we are CBD, we are allowed to ship 
pretty much to any state. Um, we can't ship out of the country per their country's regulations. So in okay. fact, this was another one. One time we tried to ship to Canada because we didn't know anything about it. And we got a call from, <laughs> from customs being like, no, no, like, we're not sure what you guys are doing here. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you, you learn as you go and the same thing with the CBD space, you know, it's kind of like the wild, wild West. It's a lot of things changing. There's a lot of legislation. I mean, we were up in a really awesome cannabis. Um, we were up at, a, we were up at a really awesome cannabis conference in New York. And I had just learned that I believe it was Massachusetts only they have a really unique law where they kind of promote the cannabis brands that are in and around the state and they're not necessarily open to other brands outside of the state and it was it was really interesting just hearing each of these people that were coming to this conference in New York and all of the different regulations that they have to go through per their state so it's you know it's it's an interesting industry and obviously I 100% being from California, take a lot of, I, I took a lot of that for granted um, because obviously THC is legal here. And so is CBD and learning that and seeing that side, especially when we go to other States, it's almost a little bit humbling. Like I'm very grateful for the business and I'm very grateful for obviously being in California. And I have the, you know, I had the freedom to create get super without having to, you know, be under this like highly monitored system or these different regulations or laws or things of that nature. So it's so interesting because, and I don't know if you've like heard this side of things, but I'm in this, um, entrepreneur organization and they're recently, I would say like when the pandemic started, lots and lots of emails and lots of talk talks going back and forth about, employees and team members and people that are employed, like that are drinking CBD and taking, you know, <laughs> eating food and gummies. And, mm -hmm. um, they wanted to create like a work policy around it of mm -hmm. like, you can and can't do these things. And like, I mean, it huh. just went deeper and deeper and deeper into like laws and HIPAA and healthcare. And, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm over here and I'm like, I don't really give my opinion unless they say, don't give your opinion unless you have like an experience share kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so totally. I'm just kind of keeping quiet, you know, reading it, reading the forms and stuff. And so, uh, someone asked me in the events industry, you know, what I thought, and I'm like, honestly, I don't get into people's healthcare business. You know, it's like, yeah. if that's something that helps you, um, chill out or whatever, as long as you're getting the work done and you're not like making mistakes over and over, I don't give a shit, mm -hmm. but also it's like, you know, my sister has ALS. And so something that has really helped her, um, is CBD and, and is cannabis stuff. And it's like, even some of the things that have helped her technically aren't legal, you sure. know, where we live, but from a sure. medical perspective, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can get, get your hands on it. it and they, the system in Tennessee, it makes it really difficult. It makes it really yeah, hard. I bet. They make you almost feel like you're a criminal, like you're doing something yeah. bad. But I also watch that, you know, her hands just will shake because with ALS, you lose function of literally everything, your muscles, oh. your tendons, everything. Yeah. And so it's like, if there's something, her brain works just fine, just fine. Sure. But it's like, 
the the calming effect, um, you know, in the hemp and stuff, the way that it helps. And it, and it really, when it, she can't sleep, you know, you've mentioned it. It's like, I mean, as an entrepreneur, it's like, how do you turn it off? I would much rather take something that's all natural than be, and I'm with you, than be on a pharmaceutical drug. That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) I know of, of like the addiction and the drugs and the money and the industry yeah. and how it's killing people. It's a whole mm-hmm. different story, but it's like, it's not a bad thing. And so I don't understand like why some States make people feel that way. And then yeah. for employers to, to be, you know, the owners to come and say, well, I'm going to go test these things. And it's like, is mm-hmm. it really a problem? Like, have you seen, any problems like come out of it where people are drinking this coffee and it's doing more harm than good. Like I haven't seen it. Maybe I'm just oblivious, but have you had any companies or brands like come to you and ask you this, like as a business owner, like what your thoughts are? Yeah, we get tons and tons and tons of consumers that have government jobs that ask if they can take it super we basically are in the process and we continue to try to drug test, get super all the time. But our short answer is no, you're do not drink it. Do not jeopardize your job because we don't know how it's going to show up. The reason why is because so essentially the amount of THC in your body is what we would call negligible. We cannot control how much gets super they can put into their body at one time. So, you know, it will show up differently. And I'd also don't know what else is going into their system. So the long or the short is no. That being said, going back to, you know, the war on drugs and marijuana being categorized as this gateway drug, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that have suffered through incarceration and have suffered through a lot of political you know, lack of better word bullshit for what this plant is really capable of. And, you know, for example, I, I love that you talked about your sister because that pulls on my heartstrings. And, you know, one of the things that I've been experimenting with now is, um, CBG and CBN. Ooh, what's that? They are both variations of, and I'm, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around a lot of this. I have an awesome extractor that could tell you everything about them. Um, but essentially they are just different strains of, of CBD and of the cannabis plant itself that can help you. And one of them is actually by I'll plug this product because it's been one of the best products that I've ever tried in my entire life. It's called by a brand called so Eden S O W E D E N. So it's a, it's a CBD and CBN tincture and it's for sleep. It's actually so Eden sleep tincture and it has helped me so much. The first time I ever took it was on a red eye flight from San Diego to Miami and I fell asleep instantly and had like, I was sitting coach. It was a booked flight. Like I full on mask, like crowded and it helped me sleep. And I actually bought some recently and it's really been helping with my sleep. And so I feel like when we go to talk about, you know, and again, like when we go to talk about cannabis and we go to talk about the plant, you know, I feel like I know one, one hundredth, one, one hundredth of the amount of power and 
you know, science and education within the plant that is so beneficial. And I feel like we aren't doing it any justice by, you know, constantly living, you know, letting the stigma live on of it being, you know, the stoner, the gateway drug, all these different things. And because I feel like truly, like we have seen cases where it's really helped people. It's really impacted them. It's really changed their lives. And, you know, whether or not it is this legal or illegal substance, I feel like there should be, you know, a call to action on either recategorizing it or in reinvestigating why it was, you know, illegal in the first place. And I think, again, like, you know, we talk about people being incarcerated, you know, we talk about all these different things where it's like, well, now it's legal. So like, what are we going to do about all these people that were kind of wronged in the very beginning? Or, you know, even, you know, in our day-to-day lives that are shamed for, you know, taking these products that are helping them and bettering their lives. I think that that stereotype for sure needs to die off. And I think it's also something too, that we can better by educating, you know, others and helping spread awareness on the plant itself. And it, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better, like it is all education mm-hmm. and like reframing. And it's like, you're not a bad person. If you, if, if CBD helps you with something, I mean, and sure. I just, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I have way too much background in like pharmaceuticals and like <laughs> healthcare. And I just have to keep my mouth shut sometimes because I just will like go off with on someone who's like, you know, they're standing there with like all their pill bottles, you know, from Walgreens or CVS. And then, you know, you have an all natural yeah. product and like, I, it's like, you can't even have a conversation or argue with them because they yeah. don't know what they don't know. And it really does come down to education. Well, like I mean, yeah. And my, you know, it's funny. It's my grandpa has had so many health issues, so many medical issues. And, you know, I mean, that that's something too, where my dad and my grandfather have been told that, you know, big pharma is the answer and, you know, listening to your doctor and taking what he prescribes you is the most trusted way. And I feel like now, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like the opioid crisis from what I've seen really opened my eyes up to, you know, big medicine and things of that nature. But I also feel like there is that lack of education because maybe that's what, again, they've been brought up to believe. And so, you know, if you're brought up to believe you trust your doctors, you trust these big names, you know, weed is illegal. Weed is for the stoners. It's, you know, the gateway drug to things that are, you know, insane drugs that ruin people's life. Of Mm -hmm. course, of course you have that idea of CBD. Of course you don't want to take cannabis or be associated with it. Absolutely. I would totally believe that too. Now, granted, I grew up in a different world. I grew Mm -hmm. up in the world where, you know, cannabis started making this return and forefront and, you know, thanks to things like social media and the internet, we've been able to explore and have more access to information than ever. Um, but going back to my grandpa, I mean, yeah, I think him and my dad both were absolutely shocked that I wanted to start, you know, I, I wanted to have a product that had CBD in it. They both take it. They both love it. And, you know, my grandpa is definitely one of those guys that he's had so many medical issues where it's like, yeah, he has 27 different pain meds for every day of the week and it breaks our heart. 
you know, and there's times where he gets through it and like moves through it. And there's other times where, you know, it, you know, it, it, it hurts and it, it, we have to kind of just support him and what his decisions are. And so I think, you know, this conversation is something that I feel like we're going to start seeing a lot more of, and I hope we do. And I hope that, you know, the CBD brands that are out there continue to do, you know, the good work and continue to reach people through education and through awareness, because I think it also is changing lives. It is. And it, and it's helping lives and it's saving yeah. lives. Like I, I mean, I see it firsthand, but until, um, you have a personal experience, you know, you yeah. don't know what you don't know. So yeah. this was so helpful. If people want to connect with you, what is <laughs> the best way to connect with you? Yeah. And I, I also want to like preface this too, you know, I love get super and, but I am still learning every day. So if there is something I said, completely inaccurate, you know, I am down to do a correction corner here. I'm going to just put that all on the table. I am still learning about this plant and this industry every single day. Um, yep. just want to just throw that out there. Cause I know there's a lot of controversy, controversy mm -hmm. around CBD and around cannabis. So just want to throw that disclaimer out. Um, yes. but you guys can follow my personal journey just at Whitney Eckes. My last name is spelled E C K I S. You can follow our agency at Eckes marketing, and you can check out get super, which is our hemp infused instant coffee at get super and super is spelled S U P R. I love it. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. So if you're driving or multitasking, don't worry, you can always refer back to the show notes and we've got some little goodies and things in there. And thank you so much for your time. Like this was so helpful. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. And if you're watching or listening, thank you so much for your time and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye, That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights. And I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.